When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You, the listener, viewer, consumer, are the director of the show today on the BWI Daily Mailbag Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. My companion on Thursdays, as always, is senior editor Nate Bauer, giving us all of the important nuance and context and corrects me when I'm wrong about crap. So, Nate, thanks for your services. And uh, it's been a bit. We were off last week. I know. I've I mean that intro was a little much to live up to, but I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna try my best. So yeah, no, I've missed. I it's been it's been too long. But I mean, what Memorial Day weekend? Yep, means that we take off. It's terrible. I I know. Yeah, I was out for five. That was days. on you. Yeah, I not com- me. That's... I completely unplugged from the internet. I didn't even like go on Twitter when I was just hanging around at the uh, at the Airbnb. So what did I miss? <laughs> what 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 happened? What did I miss? Uh last weekend not much. Not much. Um you know, I would I would say though that the transition into June for Penn State Athletics has been met with some stuff, right? Like th- yeah. things are happening. I'm not going to say that any of them are important, but Top Golf is at Beaver Stadium. Yeah, uh, you were opening. just there yesterday, right? I was. I was. I was able to uh uh, mad shout out to Ben Jones who who helped coordinate a uh, a little preview for your uh, your your resident golfer here at Blue and <laughs> Illustrated. Uh, yeah, so no, I checked I checked it out. It's cool, honestly. I, I like genuinely had fairly low expectations. And then I got up there and it was like, oh no, this is awesome. You get to hit golf balls from like pretty high up uh oh, okay. the second level yeah the second level so like you're hitting from the the south end zone straight out onto the field um you know that's cool so that makes positive w- positive reviews there yeah that makes way more sense than letting people destroy the turf in one corner uh setting it yeah. up somewhere where they're not going to destroy the field yeah, no, I mean, you know, look, like you and I think that this is the case everywhere that they do this with these stadium tours. Uh, they've done it at Fenway Park. They've done it. Um, they did it at Dodger Stadium. They've, they've done it all over the place. Uh, and but kind of the catch, what, what you don't know going in necessarily is you get these three clubs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're all pitching wedges and a nine iron. And like you just can't hit it that far because uh, okay. very clearly depth perception is sometimes a struggle. You see a, a, a structure of Beaver stadium size and you think to yourself like, Oh man, that's so huge. Yeah. But you could easily clear a driver out of the stadium. You could easily like, hit you know, a line drive into the video board. If you were, if you had Correct. a driver, you could do some Correct. serious damage. <laughs> yeah. So that, so there's none of that. There's none of that. Um, you know, but honestly hitting a bunch of wedges onto the Beaver stadium turf, 
it's kind of cool. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's going on. Uh, Coaches versus Cancer is this weekend for Penn State men's basketball, yep. which is always, uh, you know, a, a good event, uh, you know, with Penn State basketball, giving back to the community a little yep. bit. A lot of alums, notable alums come in for that. And so I'm sure that we'll have some stuff uh, on Blue White Illustrated from that. Yep. Did they have it last and year then, with Micah Shrewsbury? Or I, I can't remember if it was still pandemic-related, not doing gatherings like that, or if they had a chance to do it last year. Yeah, so they didn't have it last summer. Uh, they waited until the fall. And gotcha. So they had kind of an amended version in, I want to say, September of this past year uh, with yeah. Micah Shrewsbury. But this will be his first... Yeah, his first like, real... Normal, big, yeah, big event for Coaches versus Cancer, which is, it, it's it's the primary driver of uh, philanthropy for Penn State men's basketball. So, so that'll be good. And yep. and obviously they, they've also had a, a fairly busy week. They have some recruits coming in this weekend, yeah. which you can uh, but, but, but before we get to on. Before we get to any of that, we what? have to... You're going to be in. I was going to sell it for a dollar. A dollar. Oh, I know. But you skipped over the fact, as you always do, because you're a humble person. You're going to be in. Like, you're one of the celebrities in the CVC golf tournament, from what I can tell, as far as, you know, people that are going to be there, the names and the people about town. You're you're one of the guys competing in the CVC. I think captain is is a better terminology. Uh, Celebrity is a very low bar, (laughs) if that's the case. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> for my inclusion but no it's it's fun it's 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 something that i enjoy doing every year so looking forward to it for sure yeah now as I, yes. I didn't mean to steamroll you uh, let me set you up again uh so there's other stuff going on with basketball this week right yes they just hosted a recruit a legacy recruit calvin booth's son carrie booth was on penn state's campus for the last two days so uh, he, he was a visitor. He's a, he's a, gonna be a four star. I think he is a four star on three's rankings, uh, just came out. He's in the hundreds somewhere, uh, ranking, but he's a six ten right? Uh, takes after his dad and shoots it outside and in. So, you know, he's a, he's a fairly high priority prospect. I want to say for, for Penn state basketball in the class of 2023. So he's important. And then a couple of guys coming in this weekend who, again, you can learn about at Blue White Illustrated um, for just a dollar, right? So, uh, you know, sign yeah. up, uh, join us, and chat with us in our message board about Penn State basketball recruiting. You're so good at that. How was that? That was good. That was so good. That was a sell. Yeah, you nailed it. I think you're getting the hang of it. Pretty it soon, I'm going to let you do it, it and I'm just going to sit back. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't always have to be you. I'm willing to shoulder the load. Well, I, I'm always here to help. I'm always here to make sure we uh, we, we get through it if we need to. Um, <laughs> but yes, I, I think that... Uh, here's, anyway. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, the credibility of Nate Bauer saying it. Senior editor of Blue White Illustrated. Captain of a CVC team. Telling you to do something. There you go. That's the the, the that's the reason they got celebrities selling stuff and not just any other person. Uh, so you're doing it the right way. You ready to get into the mailbag? Let's do it. Let's answer some questions. All right. As always, and as uh, Nate pointed out, the best way to get into uh, BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, sign up for $1, get premium access, and then you get on the message board where you can ask a question. 
uh, either Wednesday night, Thursday morning. The, thre the thread is always open Wednesday night or Thursday morning for the mailbag. That's the best way to get your questions here on the show. Or we do solicit a couple from Twitter when they have uh, merit and when they're good. And, uh, you know, if I'm feeling like it, if I'm trolling around on the Internet and I see something good, yeah, well, we'll throw it on the show. And I got a great question. That's going to start us off, Nate. Uh, PSU87, Lions09, our friend from Twitter, asks, Nate, have you heard anything about success with Honor uh, and how it's doing financially? Not looking for financial statement, but uh, also saying Neely Benaputi is awesome, the new president of Penn State University, infectious personality, engaging, and energetic. So uh, PSU87, excited about the future of Penn State as a university, and I assume the leadership that then extends down into the... Uh, athletic department but that is now only one part of the puzzle so do you have any sort of update on nil at penn state yeah so i would i the the full disclosure is no i don't know specifically how uh, penn state's success with honor collective is going i would say that no matter what it is it's not enough uh, <laughs> that's a great way to put that yeah yeah right like into in today's and so i rewind i had an interview with james franklin earlier this week for our magazine but we will also have things from that that i'll pull for our website beginning tomorrow on friday and Honestly, it was primarily directed the interview uh, about NIL, right? And and how it has changed the complexion of college football, what it takes to win today in college football, how the university from the board of trustees, the, the university president, the athletic director, right? Like all of these things and those forces and choosing a direction are important and, and honestly have real impact on roster management it, it is it is not a like cloud it's not it's not something that you have to figure out or kind of guess what the impact might be right it, it's here yep. it's now the right? thunderstorm uh, has NIL arrived is happening it, it's not on the radar it's not the 10-day forecast it's here so you need to have a plan it's here it's here. You need to have a plan and you know, you're just, you're going to see ramifications positively and negatively yeah. based on what Penn state's approach to that is in terms of the, the actual players that are on the field, which yep. personally, and I think that you could attest to that is a significant part yep. of who wins and loses on Saturdays. Right. It's, yep. Um, That's so no, correct. so it's, it was, it was a good inner, it was a good interview, but I think the thing that stuck out the most was was simply just kind of that hammering home of that point. Yeah, that what what the collective is at Penn State, how donors respond to this, how the community responds to this, how the university responds to it. All of those things play this very very important point and piece, like not 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 fractional massive it's a yeah. big piece of what penn state football looks like now and what it's going to look like into the future do you think there's a, a vulnerability and so you hear a lot of top college coaches that are that are not happy with this and i don't think it's about the ability for players to get paid uh, you know for most of them i don't think that's 
anything to them at all. I think they're fine with that. To me, it's the lack of control. Like, now there's another factor outside yeah. of their control that they cannot even, like, you know, they can try, and it's against the rules, and to have some form of control over that. But without outside dollars, a lot of programs are going to be dead in the water. So is that a, a fear or a concern about the lack of control for guys who are trying to control as many things as possible at all times? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's a lack of control as much as it is reshaping what you're selling in recruiting. And, you know, I think Ryan Snyder can attest to this fairly well. It's just, it's just changed a hundred percent how you recruit because it's unavoidable. There are still things that you're trying to make appealing to recruits, right? You're, tr you're yeah. trying to sell tradition. You're trying to sell facilities. You're trying to sell all, all of the resources that Penn State as a university, as an athletic department, as a football program can offer you, right? Or to the parents, to the guardians, what, you know, to your son. But it becomes, a, it becomes less of that and more of a black and white, hey, what's the number? Yep. Right. Like yep. what, what can, what can you offer financially? Uh, and, and how does it stack up? How does it compare to competing offers? Because there is now, and again, especially into the future, it's going to get to the point where these, these guys won't even need to see campus. Yeah. Like they, they won't need to take a visit. It will be, what's the number uh, I'm, I'm going wherever that is. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's especially true in yeah. the transfer portal. But it's gonna it's gonna get that way in recruiting as well. I, I would I would hesitate to say it's gonna be that as a blanket. I think that's for sure gonna be to get you into the door. I think that's gonna be what gets you even into the conversation. And then from there, at least I hope players are still making a determination of where they're going about what's best for them. Because you can have a pocket full of money and an empty head as a coach. And if you're going to those places, right. The money in the NFL is always going to trump what happens in college. Like, I'm sorry. that like It's going to get more money in the NFL as time goes on. So the numbers you see now for players are going to balloon there. And the fact that college football is now paying players is not going to compensate for that difference. So getting to the NFL right. should always be the ultimate goal. And going to a place that pays you now is good. That's, that's great. But if you have the skill to go to the NFL... Go to the place that's going to make you the best football player and guarantee as much as possible that first-round possibility and that future success of being good at football. So hopefully for the integrity of the game we watch, yeah. that is still a part of it. I, I mean, I, I hope I hope and pray that that is, that is something that continues yeah. to happen. I think I think what you're going to see, and this these are like real-world numbers, right, is... The difference between $50,000 as a baseline and $45,000 isn't going to change things. Yep. Right? Like you're yep. nobody's people aren't going to people aren't going to make that choice and say, "Oh, well, I'm going to put myself into a bad spot, a bad program and take that chance because I'm making 5,000 more dollars, right? Um a, 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 you know, 10%, right? A difference from the 45 grand." Yep. Uh if it's five hundred thousand dollars against fifty thousand dollars, yep, nope, that'll be what it is. <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah. so, and so, it's this it's this balance between how programs are going to take this approach, right? 
are you going to try to have a collective that has, like, again, I'm going to use this number $50,000. Are you going to try to have a collective that supports that you fundraise for that sets a minimum threshold, right? So anybody that comes into the program, it doesn't matter what position you are. It doesn't matter what you do. If you come into the program, you're going to make X, yeah. right? Or maybe it even, maybe it's ranked by position, right? Maybe, maybe quarterbacks make a little bit more. Maybe that threshold is a little bit higher. Uh, is, is that the model that you're going to have? Or are you simply saying as a program, we have a need, right? Yep. Whatever it is, we, we have a need, we need a defensive end. Uh, this is, this is the number that we're going to go with. Right. And it's going to be way higher and totally imbalanced against the rest of the roster. And I, I think what I've seen, and I think what James Franklin suggested is that Penn State wants that approach of, hey, here's here's a standard number. This is what everyone's going to get. And then what you do on the field will open up new opportunities for you that will be accommodated. Right. You know, the, the program's not going to get in the way of you making more money based on your production and your performance and how you handle right. yourself. Kind of a meritocracy once you get a universe, like a baseline. And then your but that's, value but that's not provided. what everybody else is doing yeah <laughs> right that's not what everybody else is doing though like yeah. it's it's going to be very very different and you're already seeing it's not i'm not saying anything that's like looking into the future this is yeah. now this yeah is what's uh, happening uh, ryan we talked about it uh earlier this week we've talked about it previous weeks and coming up tomorrow on the bwi daily edition we talk about this again like his position is penn state's gonna lose players in this class this is not a 2024 conversation. This is the second half of this year. As all of this stuff gets crazier, Penn State is going to lose players over NIL. So it is a thing, and that's why we started with uh, Lions 09. Not that we don't always get to his question, but I thought it was uh, it was paramount to get to that one first for a couple of reasons, that being you know the biggest one. So now Coast Fan from our message board asks, just for fun, and I love just for fun, Nate. I live of for course. just for fun. Over under yeah. how many touchdown passes does Sean Clifford throw in the first game against Purdue? What's your over under? Mm -hmm. So I'll set the number at two and a half. You took my answer. Right. You took my answer. Did you set the number? Well, no, I mean, but you have to choose. You got to go over or under. Uh, well, okay. Yeah. Well, I, that's. Yeah, I was going to set the I'm number setting, two and a half. I'm going to set the. I'm going to set the line, right? Yeah. So the line, in my can, mind, is two and a half. That can you tell sense, who right? doesn't gamble on this show? Can you tell which guy uh, has never placed a bet ever? Uh, I'm going under. <laughs> okay. Going under. Okay. Right. I, I think two's you the number. Two, you want two. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. See, I don't have a great sense of what kind of defense Purdue is bringing to the field this season. This this is always the case. And this is what yeah. frustrates me a little bit with the prediction business, because certainly I'm in it, you're in it. We're all in it at this time of year talking yeah. about rankings, right? I know what I think about Penn State football. I don't think anything about Purdue football right now. Like right. I don't I don't have I don't have a number to work with in terms of where it seems like that defense might fall. I mean, I can right. say traditionally, you would think that there would be an opportunity, right? Like Purdue scores points, Penn State scores, or Penn State will want to score points. Yep. Um, you know, some I'll take over. I'm going to go with three. I think I'll throw three touchdown passes in that game. Yeah, and so I think I think two 
is is my conservative answer. I'm that's I, I think that's a safe bet because a lot of things can happen around the goal line. I'm not saying that Penn State isn't going to score points in this game. I'm just saying that if they get to the goal line and there is an opportunity for Kevon Lee or Nick Singleton or anybody to run the ball in, or even sure. if, even if it's Sean Clifford running the ball in. I think they like that more than having to throw the ball in the red zone. So you get two touchdowns. Maybe you get two more in your 28 points. Maybe you get to 31. I don't know. I don't know. But I think two is the number given the uncertainty around the offense in particular, even with, I think, my optimism about it. Just in general, this offense, I'd say two touchdowns. But I think three fair. Are you suggesting that Keandre Lambert-Smith won't have a 57-yard touchdown reception in the third quarter? <laughs> is, there, is there a money line for that? And did I use the right term there? Uh, I don't <laughs> is that a know. a prop bet? I think that's a prop bet. I, oh, God. It could happen. <laughs> it could absolutely happen. It could also happen that he gets a 56-yard reception that gets down to the two. Uh, and I've seen that more often than I have seen the other one fair yeah i'm with you another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app find a location near you at bank of slash talk to us what would you like the power to do Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, so now we got Jason, who is the uh, 1,743rd of his name from our mm-hmm. message board. He says, what are the chances Saquon Barkley could rebound this year and be a great back, a productive back, or have injuries derailed the, his career and he'll never be the same? Uh, do the Giants trade him this year or do they just let him walk next year? So we're looking at the future of Saquon Barkley. Do you want to start this one or do you do you want me to lead off on this particular topic? Well, you start because I think you have a better sense of improvements to the rest of the Giants offense, yeah. right? Like, I mean, yeah, they drafted an offensive line tackle, right? Uh, yes, I believe so. I, eh. I paid so the Bills didn't need a whole lot this year, and they weren't in the top. So I paid very little attention to the draft overall. Um, I think more importantly, from a structural standpoint, Brian Dayball is a good offensive coordinator. He's a good offensive mind. I wanted when he was the offensive coordinator, the Bills to trade for Barkley because putting Josh Allen and Saquon Barkley into a read option system, I I think that's a that's a recipe for success. Uh, but Daniel Jones is a good athlete. He's a good quarterback from an athletic standpoint. Uh, it's going to be the, the question about the rest of the offense there. But this is really my point, going back to the original part of the question about can Saquon come back or have injuries derailed his career and he'll never be the same. This is my biggest problem with players coming back too soon from an ACL injury because then it seems like they're they're broken or damaged goods. 
Saquon Barkley can completely recover from his ACL injury. But if you look at him last year, and, you know, I spent a lot of time looking at athletes, and my wife is a strength coach, and we looked at his legs, one leg was smaller than the other. It's just, what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to strength train when you're rehabbing an ACL? He can absolutely be 100% returned from his ACL, but it wasn't going to be last year. So now there's this underrated expectation of uh, unmet, promise from Saquon Barkley when really I think he's on the correct timeline to be back to the player he was before the injury and then it becomes about the 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 randomness of injury in the future and I think that that's unknowable he was never injury prone in college um and I don't think he was particularly injury prone until that point but once he had a bad knee and he was overcompensating for things and you just do things differently when you've got this imbalance and then all of a sudden the supreme athleticism, now he's tripping on guys' feet accidentally. I don't see this as a long-term trend for Saquon. I can only attest to what I saw when he was at Penn State and that was this unbelievable athleticism, right? I mean, it was truly it was eye popping it was it was different um you know and so can can you necessarily get back to that 100% yeah i think so but more important than that is if he even gets to a percentage of that right if he if he gets to 95% of that yeah. it's yeah. still going to be right this this elite athleticism yep. and then but i i mean again like i just <laughs> I value coaching not a ton. I value the totality of an offense and all of the pieces fitting together and being good greatly. I yep. think that matters. So I think that's how you unlock things like that. Just I, I think running backs have the toughest job in football because Saquon, you, you mentioned unreal athleticism, and this is not a 100% statement because there, you can get better at certain things as you get older, but the peak of the athleticism of a running back is 21. It's 22. They, I mean, we see guys that come into the league, and they are effective immediately, and then the things start to happen. So maybe Saquon Barkley's prime athleticism is 95% of what you remember. But that, again, as you pointed out, is still better than most human beings on the planet. So, again, I think he can have a long career that has nothing to do with his athleticism and how good he is as a football player. His vision, his intelligence, his patience as a runner, which is the thing that I think is going to unlock all of those other skills as much as the offensive line, and, you know, tenacity through contact. Those are the things that I think are going to help him in the future. But Evan Neal, 6'7", he was, he was who you're talking about, uh, the Alabama yep. uh, offensive tackle, going to be the right tackle. They've got Andrew Thomas. So they've got good bookends. They've got the terrible John Feliciano at center. Don't get me started on that guy and his, his like uh, toughness and, and attitude nope. oh. is his calling card. I would rather like proficiency at your job more so than tenacity and like, yeah, you shoved a guy after your quarterback got sacked. Don't let your quarterback get sacked. It's a it's an easier life to live. So anyway, uh, not to completely dump on another individual. That's unfair. Other than he's caused me a lot of frustration as a fan. So that's why you always got to be what a jerk, right? Exactly. How dare he? Uh, so where are we here? Let's go to youth. 
I think it is. I, 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 I <laughs> or is it just, well, if it's silent, then it's oof. Um, I love saying these screen names cause I'm never right. It's, it's, it's the best. Anyway, nobody, I can tell nobody finds it as funny as I do. Uh, anyway, can you clarify what position the two linebackers, uh, Carter and Wiley, meaning, uh, Keon Wiley and Abdul Carter in the class of 2022 will learn this year. Thought Carter would be the third middle linebacker. Wiley would be the third or fourth Sam linebacker. Uh, a month or two back, I believe the staff said that the long-term position for Carter was Will. How, curious how Penn State sorts through new players uh, and like they like long-term and have them learn all positions or think short-term in order to have a three-deep in case of a rash of injuries. So this is a bit of a complex conversation, Nate, because I believe what you fear is, is talking about is that early on scouting Abdul Carter. He has the body type similar to a guy like Micah Parsons as far as big-bodied, fast, physical, used to play defensive end, will play uh, linebacker at the next level. In Brent Pry's scheme, that's a will linebacker, and I think he can be a will linebacker. But what we've learned, and now we have to adjust to what Manny Diaz wants to do, some of these things change. And I'll tell you, at this point, I don't really know, like, are they going to take linebackers at, at, at that Sam position or are those only safeties right. now? Is there going to be a blending of the two at that position or do they only recruit two positions? So with all of those questions, what I've done essentially is shifted towards what I think is realistic, that they recruit two linebacker positions and they recruit three safety positions, big safeties that can play in coverage. So that's what the Sam is now. So going back to your point about Manny Diaz, how long is he here? Does that change their long-term plans? There's a lot of variables, but that's where I think the journey in that conversation comes from is what was it under Brent Pry with those two guys? And what is it now with, uh, with, with Manny Diaz and what he wants to see out of those two guys? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and this is offhand. Maybe this aligns, maybe it doesn't, but you know, I wrote a story about Dom DeLuca Last week, we talked about him during the blue white game. Yep. Uh, it, it right. And, but he was a, he slid too, right? He was, he was a safety last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, so for all the special team stuff that he did, he was, he was with the safeties group last year and is now with the linebackers. So it, it appears to me as though they are following in that mold, yep. right? Of John Sutherland, what John Sutherland is doing. That is, that is the design. That is yeah. the fit that they're looking for to kind of fulfill that position um, moving forward. Yeah. So Charlie Catcher and uh, Jamari Button are also a part of the conversation, too. Button moved over to Will. We saw that in the game. And and you're right. And DeLuca played in the blue-white game. I don't know what to do about how good he looked there because there was like, you know, as a safety, he's faster than most linebackers I've looked at. Um, he made a lot of plays, seemed to have good instincts for the football. That's what you're looking for, by the way, when you do that. You're trying to make more plays in the passing game. Uh, but it's seven on seven, Skelly. It's it's thud. It's not all of it is is you know fully replicable. But he didn't look terrible, you know. So like there, who knows what happens there? I imagine he'll still be a special teams player and a contributor that way primarily. But the position is more open than a you know. Then I think previously we've talked about only John Sutherland, right? Uh, yeah, no, I mean I'm, I don't think it's 
Like, I'm not suggesting that Dom DeLuca is going to come in and, as a second-year player, walk on. Yeah. Start. <laughs> right? no, 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 or, or really no. even contribute all that much. I, I just, I'm just saying in terms of the question and how Penn State aims to fill out those linebacker positions, the typical move that we were seeing of guys starting at Sam – cross-training and developing, working their way through to become Wills, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case moving forward. Right. So in the class of 2023, to spin this forward a little bit and give you kind of more context here is, uh, I saw Tony Rojas as a Sam linebacker. He's a four-star linebacker Penn State is pursuing. Originally saw him as the guy that would play the Sam because he's got like 4-4 speed. So he can play in space. He plays defensive end currently. But he could play in space. He's a running back. He's got those sort of instincts and those movement skills. But if he's at Penn State right now, like if he were on the roster, he would be a Will linebacker, which again, a former defensive end playing linebacker, that kind of fits into that mold of that Will position for Penn State. So it just is condensed. This is the other thing. It's condensed what you need out of the position. So you don't need three starters. You, it's, it's, like, it's like the juice concentrate. It's more potent. You can, you can hit more. You can have more competition, more depth. And then at the safety position, there are more guys, I think, with that body type that can run and are 215 at their maximum and have that sort of tweener vibe. I think there are more athletes like that than guys that are 6'4", 240, run like a, lineba- like, a, like a safety, hit like a linebacker. So, you know, from a... From a um, Recruitment standpoint, I also think it opens up some more things that we'll see in the next couple of years with safety recruiting, and I'm interested to follow that as well. So PSU Ram asks, how does James Franklin's staff compare to his previous year's staffs in terms of both coaching and recruiting? Trying to figure out if James James Franklin's contract negotiation that led to uh, 10-year deal also made a noticeable positive impact on the staff. Nate, uh, I, I... I want to get your thoughts on here first. Hmm. Um, I mean, what? I guess I, I don't really know what he's driving at in terms of how does it compare, like in terms of quality, like yeah. what is the acumen of the staff? Yeah, uh, I, I think that's what, how I would read it is, did James Franklin's 10-year contract with all that money and all those promises for the university, did it pay off to where they have the highest quality assistants and they have the best of both worlds recruiting and, uh, and coaching. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I, I think that if you're going to go, if you're going to lose Brent Pry, right. To become a head coach at Virginia tech, which is, that's a, that's a notable program, right? Yep. He, he didn't leave to take a job at Colgate. Uh, this, this is, that's a step up. That's a great program for him to land at. And you replace him with a guy who, was just kind of forced out under some level of controversy, right? Yep. Uh, and mixed opinion from a, a program like Miami in Manny Diaz, like uh, that's a win. Yeah, <laughs> that's about that's about as good as you can ask for. Yeah, and Diaz has been Diaz has been extremely well received, right? I mean, yep. look, uh, I'm just gonna run through them here, right? Uh, Taylor Stubblefield, 
no complaints, right? Yep. He has been positive recruiting. He's been positive in terms of player interaction and how they've responded to him. Jaywan Sider is a, is a mainstay at this point. Yep. Uh, a guy who has com- some consistency, who has been pursued by other fairly big name programs. Penn yep. State was able to keep him. Yep. Right. Phil Troutwine, uh, cards on the table. Don't know. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that there is a, a ton of optimism and a ton of uh, people from within the program who believe he can get it done, yeah. believe he is the guy who can shift that right on the offensive line. It's just a matter of these things aren't instantaneous. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, especially with the offensive line. It takes a long about, time to get into I mean, that situation. It takes a long time to get out. And now it doesn't take as long to get out of that situation because of the transfer yep. portal and because of, you know, getting higher quality talent, having a guy in his redshirt freshman season like Landon Sangwall who can step in, but it does take more than, uh, you know, the snap of a finger. So, yeah, I, I, yep. I agree with you there. And, yeah. and you make a good uh, point. Ty Howell? Yep. Ty Howell is, uh, with the tight ends, I mean, uh, a legacy guy, right? A guy who, who played at Penn State recently, connects with the players. Has, has been well received and and Mike Yersich again again cards on the table those three guys right yeah you, you're not sure I mean this year is going to be uh in a lot of ways a litmus test for how those guys have fared and what they're able to do with the talent that they have um certainly with Mike Yersich it goes from the offense yes but also the quarterbacks yep right like what what are you getting from that quarterback position how are you maximizing sean clifford yes and if it's not sean clifford if a difficult decision has to be made are they going to make it and yep. is the next guy in a better position to succeed than taekwon roberson was last year yep bottom can, line can you improve that position because there are play there are coaches that make a noticeable difference in the lives of their quarterbacks they you know the the quarterback guru thing there are, and I go to the NFL because I think it's the most apparent examples. Andy Reid is a quarterback coach, or he he knows the people, he knows the way to get the most out of the quarterback position, whether or not he's teaching the fundamentals of the position or not. And I always looked at, I always thought it was funny. John Gruden to me was not a quarterback coach. He's a great offensive uh, coach. He he has great systems and he knows how to get players open. But he's not developing guys. He didn't. He never took a young player and made that guy better. He took a bunch of veterans and put them in a position to win. On the college level, there are guys that make quarterbacks better. And it seemed like for a time, Joe Moorhead was that guy at Penn State. My biggest problem with Ricky Ronnie is I saw a bit of a step back in some of the quarterbacks from a fundamental and an accuracy standpoint uh, with Trace McSorley. And you didn't see a, a what I thought with Sean Clifford was his strength, which was accuracy, which was the decision-making, which was the clarity of the position. Now, we we just learned more about him, but also that did not progress or develop under the last two coordinators. Does it progress and develop under Mike Yersich? We've seen him put guys in the NFL, whether Mason Robinson worked out or not. So we have some evidence of a good quarterback getting to the next level as a rather highly rated quarterback. Can he do that? Not with with Sean Clifford necessarily, but with somebody that to me, that's going to be the answer about Mike Yersich. Lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha. In my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, they're, ca- they're counting on it. Yeah. <laughs> they're counting on it. I mean, it's it's got to be. it. Those two things are going to work in concert. Right. The the offense was inhibited by the lack of a running game last yep. season. So he needs to he needs to with what he has needs to orchestrate a fix for that. Yeah. Yes. But also along with that fix, I think you're going to either see improved quarterback play or not. And if you don't see improved quarterback play in concert with that improvement in the running game, Again, you, you've got to go somewhere. There, yeah. there has to be a. There has to be. You just you have to make a decision. You have to set a direction. Yep. And it's going to be on them to come up with that. Yep. Make make a make a tough decision and maybe bet on upside. For you yeah. know, and for once, and I don't I don't mean that as a negative thing of. Uh, you know, they should have at certain points, although I did make that argument this week in the Will Levis comparison with with Sean Clifford of if you've got two guys that are producing on the field relatively the same, knowing that we don't see practice, but we see what's on the field, the production that matters most. They were relatively the same player, but you went with what you knew instead of the potential upside of Will Levis. And that decision, when you made that decision, do you make that decision again? Or do you eventually bet on a guy that maybe has more upside? The other thing that you hit on, and I want to I wanna end on this and get to another question, is the, the $10 million deal, first off, or the 10-year deal, first off, the ink is barely dry. Like, it's been less than a year that it's been in place. But you mentioned uh, J1 Sider not going to Florida. I yep. think that probably had something to do with it. Anthony Poindexter, not going to Virginia. So it's not always yep. just about adding. It's about, and this is what James Franklin mentioned, consistency, keeping your guys in place because we don't get outbid by another school to do the same job. And why wouldn't you? Yep. If you, especially if you bring up Florida, you less taxes. And so you get even more money to move back to a place if you're Jay Wan Sider that you're comfortable with anyway. So keeping him in Pennsylvania, yep. keeping him in Happy Valley was... I, I think evidence of that. So let's, th- sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Just one more thing to add to that. That isn't going to necessarily get talked about, but uh, I actually asked James Franklin this past week, whether or not he thought it was a win that they, they didn't lose people in the transfer portal after spring practice, because that's kind of yeah. the second wave that you're seeing of transfers out. And he thought uh, he said to the effect, I'm paraphrasing that it was, a vote of confidence for that consistency that they had on the coaching staff. If they had lost a bunch of coaches, if a bunch of, right? Like if a bunch of coaches had left in that December, January timeframe outside of Brent Pry, uh, you know, maybe that would have been a little more ripe for Penn state to, to have players picked off in the transfer portal. But instead, I mean, honestly, they kept just about everybody, right? Like most of most of the players that they had in spring practice stayed. Yep. So. Yep. I, I think that's, that's a, a very good point to put context to this as well. Uh, so over the last two weeks, I wrote about 3,000 words 
about Will Levis chronicling <laughs> his time at Penn State, his transfer, and then how he played at Kentucky to give Penn State fans an idea of the full scope of the decision James Franklin had to make and then the results of that decision. So that's what Cy Kim here is uh, referencing. Good article on Levis, but I personally am more interested in how PSU decides the next starting quarterback in 23 or if Clifford goes down this year, referencing the conversation we just had. Uh you know, because we're good like that. By the way, if you want to read those articles sure. on Will Levis, BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, one year, 12 months of access, and you get all those words and video. I go through and I watched almost every single one of his throws over his career. I pick out ones to give you examples of what I'm talking about. So you discussed looking at potential, which with young QBs is always the case. What would you look at in deciding which of the three young QBs should start in 23 in particular, knowing that this decision could lead to a QB transferring? No NIL money I know of equals starting NFL QB money, so no one wants to be sitting on the bench. It's hard to blame them. I think that's a very eyes-wide-open sort of view of the situation from Psykim. So when it comes yep. to these three players... And Nate, this is always where we start. Which one can operate the offense and which one can win for us immediately? That's where you have to start. Yep. So it's not about the physical tools. It's about who grasps, grasps what the hell's going on the best. That's the first place yep. you got to start with these players. Yeah. I. So there's, so there's two separate conversations, right? Because yep. they mentioned in the question... Uh, in case of injury to Sean Clifford this year. Yep. In case of injury to Sean Clifford this year, it's Christian Veyu. Yeah, without I a doubt. Fairly confident in saying that. Yeah. Um, how do you approach 2023 offseason, right? Yeah. Like after this year, that's a that might be a different story and probably should be a different story. Yeah. Because I, I mean, look, I, I just <laughs> uh reputation aside. I think that these guys either do it or they don't. Yeah. It, it's not. <laughs> Co yes, coaches have decisions to make, but if somebody isn't prepared, there's just kind of a reality that that's on them at that point. I mean, it's on yeah. two people, right? Yep. It's on the, it's on the, the, the person themselves, right? The, the player. Yep. And then it's on the coach for not putting them in a position to be prepared. Yep. But I don't think I don't think more often than not that it's that vexing of a of a decision to make because right. you're not <laughs> you're, you're not saying to myself yourself like, "Oh, well, he he didn't do he's not that accurate right now. He is uh he doesn't really know the playbook all that well." <laughs> Right, like doesn't match yeah. with his receivers. Yep. But he's got a really strong arm and we yep. think that his vision is great. And yep. in the future, three years from now, if we play him right now, he could be the best quarterback of yeah. the three. This is no, not the this is not the not NFL. This is not the NFL. And, and th that's exactly right. Because there's there's two things that, and that's why I, I start with you gotta know what is going on on the football field because these guys are learning football. The hardest position where you need to know the most, where if you could study football for your whole life, there's always something new to learn. There's always something new the defense is trying to do to get you. And these guys are at the beginning stages of that, even if they're advanced for their age. So that's the biggest thing you got to understand when it comes to these guys. The second thing is we're learning about them. As this happens, we have an understanding of their physical skills and some of their mental capabilities 
out of high school and early on. But we don't know what we don't know. The staff doesn't know. The player themselves might not know what they're capable of until they go out and do it. And that was a conversation had with Christian Veyu of like the first time he got into the game, he uh, you know was a little bit nervous, but then he settled in. He was just playing football, and that part. And that was a going back to my conversation, my article about Will Levis is ultimately the deciding factor for me. When I watched the two, and if James Franklin made any mistake when it came to Clifford and Levis, it was that Levis plays with confidence. He trusts his arm. He trusts himself. Sometimes too much, where he puts the ball in danger, he throws interceptions. But he throws the football to any part of the field he wants to, and he pulls the trigger. I don't see that consistently enough from Sean Clifford. We talked about that Wednesday with Seth Galina of PFF. That was his biggest criticism. I think that's exactly right, especially over the middle of the field. So if Sean Clifford can fix that part, he can be a viable winning quarterback. He can be all the things we talked about. But does that change over time? So Drew Aller can have all of the physical talent. He can be the rocket arm Josh Allen prototype. He can be all of those things. But if he doesn't trust himself and he's in his head when he's throwing the football, there is no time to second-guess yourself. So that confidence and that clarity is what it is. When your adrenaline is running, that is, to me, what makes a great quarterback. That's what separates Trace McSorley from other guys. So who has that? We don't know yet. I like what I see from Christian Ve. And I believe, I believe you said the, the proper way to say it is Veyer. 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 Excuse me. So I, that's my early return, but I haven't seen the other two play. I feel the same way about Bo Perbila. Yeah. I don't know uh, enough about Drew Aller yet. I, I think Drew Aller is going to get there. I, yeah. I, 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 like, I, I just uh, – I, I just – I get conflicted between this – because I, I think that I'm saying the same thing, but – in very different ways. One yeah. is pump the brakes on him to to allow for him to get better. Yes. He needs that time. Yep. It is important. Like, that's on his behalf. Saying that, however, is not the same thing as saying, oh, he might never get there. Yeah. Right? Well, like, he might not. He, so he that, that's, that is what I'm yeah. saying is that when it comes to the point of getting a four-star quarterback in Veyer and getting a high three-star quarterback with intangibles of Perbula and a five-star in Aller is that you have a higher chance that one of them turns into not just a good guy, but the guy, the one that takes you over the top, that takes you to the Big Ten championship game, college football playoff, your dreams are realized. It is easier with a quarterback. And the guy that makes it easiest on you by doing the most and being the player... That's I've I've watched all of their throws, and I couldn't tell you which one's going to be the guy. I've seen it time from one one or one of them every once in a while, but I've never seen it all the time always from all of them. That's you're just hoping one of them becomes the guy. I think I think that that's completely fair. I would only add that the initial feedback aura, whatever you want to say, is that. Aller will get there. Yeah. Like he's, he's got those tools. He can do things that other guys can't. Yeah. Not just at Penn state anywhere. Yep. Right. Like it's just, some of these guys have traits that are different and that separate them. They can be seen through the recruiting process. Sometimes that's why they get the evaluations that they do. Uh, and, and he's just, he seems to have those elements yeah. to his game. But as you point out, you have to 
implement them, right? You can have all the, all the talent in the world if you can't do it. And let's start right at, at the absolute baseline. If you can't do it in the film room, if you can't do it in the meeting room, it none of this matters. Yep. It does not matter. Yep. If you can't do it on the practice field, right? If you can't do it in seven on seven, if you can't do it in those different areas, it's not going to translate when the bright lights are on, when you're actually doing it in a game. So, yep. I mean, I just, I just think that there needs to be a little bit of a runway allowing for literally all three of those guys, right? Yep. O- open book, like just get, get to that point and then go. But yep. I think that for this year, it's not really in question in my, in my mind, it's not in question. It's Sean Clifford's show. Yeah. If Sean Clifford goes down for any reason or does not perform to the level that he needs to perform, it's Christian Veyer. I, I love this. I love this conversation because I think this gets to the heart of the reality of that position and the conversation around it. And, and you're right. I guess I, 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 tools mean so much, but they don't mean anything until they mean everything. So that's that's always I discount them all the time personally because I'm so tired of people starting with arm strength and starting with size. And I understand that's where the evaluation process starts, because if you're not big and strong, you're not getting an offer to begin with. But I've watched too many uh, robot, you know, made in a lab quarterbacks be bad at football. So I probably have my own biases against that particular thing, and I'm looking for the intelligence side first. But here's the reality is Drew Aller's a really smart kid. He is a really yep. smart quarterback. He might have it all. It's just, I, you know, I'm always hesitant when it comes to the hype, and this is where we're saying the same thing. The hype is one thing. The implementation, you got to give him time to learn how to implement all those things. Um, so great conversation. Thank you for the question, Psychim. Uh, this one I can't put up because I, I, I made a goof when I was doing some of the editing here, but we cannot uh, ignore Losi's mustache or else uh, we'll be doing push-ups, I think. With NIL becoming more prevalent, uh, are these players wanting to cap and these players wanting to capitalize ASAP? Do you think Franklin and Penn State will change their policy about true freshmen talking with the media? Hmm. I think my question is, eventually, will they have any control over it whatsoever? I think that's probably where things are headed. I think that, so so here's what I would say. Uh, I think that the program will set a standard of, hey, this is on your behalf that we will not make you to the uh, available to the media as part of an obligation, right? right? Because that's... I mean, look, they're taking feedback anyway. They're they're asking guys, hey, are you willing to do this? Are you not? Are you uncomfortable? We think this would be to your benefit to do uh, uh, right whatever the whatever the interview is under a an official Penn State football capacity. Yep. To to Losi's mustache to to that point, I think what's going to happen is if players are taking advantage of NIL opportunities outside, and that's what it is, is yep. outside of the construct of Penn State football, it's not Penn State football's decision. Yep. Right? If 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 players have the, like, there's, there is, and honestly, just speaking bluntly, this happened already this year, right? Nick Singleton was able to give an interview with a friend of the show, Rich uh, Scarcella at the Red yeah. Eagle during the Maxwell Football Awards in Atlantic City because it's, at that point, it's the Maxwell Football Awards show. Yep. 
It's not Penn. It's not Penn State football. It's it's under that environment. And so if if these are things that are if Drew Aller, if Nick Singleton, if any of those guys, Caden Saunders, sign NIL deals, have opportunities for sponsorships, whatever it is, throw out a first pitch at a baseball game. Uh, I think that at that point it will be to their discre- their discretion and not Penn State saying, oh, well, hey, we're, you know, we're upset with you for making yourself available to the media in in that setting. Yeah. Camps, it, right? Yeah. Like all that stuff. And, and just to extrapolate upon this, if you are the s- spokesperson or sponsor of a product, it is your obligation to go speak about it. So you have to, Correct. therefore you, you right. have to, that's a part of the contract. Go speak on podcasts and, and commercials and well, commercials are com- more controlled, but you know what I mean? Of like, you have sure. to be out there. There has to be a mic and a camera in your face. That's your face is what we're doing. It's not just being on a poster. It's you've got to convince people that the product is worth it with your name, your image and your likeness and your words. There should be a W on the end of that. Yep. No, it's, it's common. It's common. It, like, I, I think that we have not seen it, it blossom yet in, ter- in terms of that specific question, but it, it's coming. I mean, it's just it's a matter of time. Uh, also coming and also a matter of time is the end of the show. And I'm always bummed out about that because I love the Thursday conversation. It's just it's more open. It's more what I'm used to of radio. And, and I you know, I, I I enjoy this show. So we got a couple more questions before we get out of here. Poncho 570 asks. You used to get the JUCO programs when you needed to fill immediate depth and kids with more college-ready body types ready to play. Would the transfer portal kill that type of recruiting to the elite Power 5 schools, or do you think that JUCO will always have a place? I think that more, the more streams of talent, the better for a coach. I don't think JUCO is going anywhere. I just think it opens up another door, another avenue for players to come to your, your program with tra- the transfer portal. Look, uh, Jaquan Brisker was a high level, right? It wasn't that he was forgotten in the recruiting process, yeah. right? He had to go the JUCO route because he, he just he wasn't prepared academically coming out of high school ba- based on a variety, like he's a smart kid, based yeah. on a variety of off-field things that were kind of beyond his control that, yeah, he, he had to seek that out and he had to do that. There are a ton of guys like that at the JUCO ranks. It it will continue. Guys who can play are playing in Juco right now. That will continue to be the case in addition to how the transfer portal opens that up to you. Maybe, maybe the transfer portal changes a little bit of the risk that you're willing to take, right? If you, if there's, um, you know, a guy, a guy who is a little bit, you're going more out on a ledge to bring him into the program in terms of a fit academically, socially, whatever. Um, Yeah. Maybe, maybe you shy away from that because there's something, there's a guy who has already proven it at another big school or what have you, right. That they can, that they can handle themselves under those circumstances. So maybe that happens a little bit, but I don't think that there's going to be any lack of, scouring the market in junior (laughs) colleges to find those those players because they they definitely exist if penn state could find a mike linebacker at top golf or at the cbc (laughs) tournament they would absolutely go do that uh you know we joked about it but for for to be serious to be dead serious if john harrell wanted to play football he would have played football 
Like, they would go to the lacrosse team. They would go anywhere to find a guy that can fill a need and be at the level of athleticism and talent they need on the football field. There, There is no place, Europe, the moon, Africa, uh, 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 the, the Middle East, like Australia, New Zealand. They'll go anywhere, any place to find a guy that can come in and help the football team. It doesn't matter. Yep. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's my stump speech. Yeah, I'm, no. <laughs> and as an American, I I, stu- I stumbled on places to go find football players because my geography is trash. <laughs> they'll go to New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey. They'll go to to New Mexico, California. California. Yeah. Now we're just listing places. We're just showing off the number of places we know and names of things. Okay. Our buddy, Rad Dad Jeans, is back. You got your, your sparkly denim on, Nate? Always. Yeah. So he asks, is there any team this year on Penn State's schedule that is a terrible matchup for them right off the bat, minus Ohio State? So anything you see that pops off the schedule, you go, uh, that's going to be a problem. Oh, no. And um, I, I don't know if he means right off the bat, meaning out, out of the gate, like early in the season or overall. So well, let's do let's 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 answer both. Let's do early in the season and then we'll go overall. Well, no, like, so look, doesn't it depend on what Penn state is? And we don't know what that is yet. So, because I think, I think to the point of the question, and maybe this is what he's referencing is Illinois only became a problem for Penn state because Penn state had a absolutely neutered offense at that point in the season. Yep. Right. Like Illinois became a, <laughs> yeah. Illinois became a bad matchup because Sean Clifford was injured and all of a sudden it's a six possession game per side, right? Yep. Like that, if any other type of game and Penn state doesn't have a problem with a team like that. Yeah. Same deal at Michigan state, right? Michigan state was a team that could not defend the pass and the weather conditions for that game dictated yep. that no one could pass the ball. Yep. So that like that was a bad matchup, but it was a bad matchup only based on circumstances. Yep. And so I mean uh, initially like looking at the schedule, I I don't know. I, I but I do think that those possibilities exist based on what actually happens. If if you're if yeah. you're asking me to look at the schedule and say, "Okay, well, I'm going to make an assumption that Penn State does not improve in the running game at all." Right? Yeah. Exact same running game. The offense is the exact same this year as it was last year. Then the answer is all of them. <laughs> all of the games are a bad matchup yeah. for Penn State if yeah. Penn State can't score more than seventeen and a half points a game. Yeah, because Northwestern is going to roll in with a good defense. Like I don't know anything about Northwestern, but that's again we're we're back to your point about uh, you know over under scoring points at Purdue is we know what Purdue is historically, but we know that one of their lead receivers from last year is no longer with the football team. But outside of that, I you're right. I have not gone into the tape to look at Purdue from last year, go through their recruiting, see which players are highly ranked. I, I haven't done any of that work yet because I'm still looking at the big 33 game to see stuff about Penn State's players from last weekend, like just to kind of get an eyeball on that. There's just a lot of stuff to watch. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know about Purdue this year, but if we go historically – Let's just do the cliched version of these programs. Purdue, if Penn State can't score points, that's a problem. So yep. put that one right out of the bat. That's a night game. 
Sean Clifford needs to keep his head about him and score points because Purdue can yep. score points. Um, and then I go to that Northwestern game because I feel relatively confident that Auburn is the same Auburn team from last year. Like I, I, I'll, we'll get a better sense of that, obviously. But uh, I didn't see any part of that team that was so much better than Penn State that would take a huge step this year and threaten them. But, you know, like you said, we don't know all the details. So then it would be Northwestern for me is, you know, do they have enough offense on either side of the ball to win that football game? Does Northwestern have enough offense and does Penn State have enough offense? So there you go. Look, uh, look at the Big Ten. Ohio State scored 46.4 points a game last season, right, in the Big Ten. Against yeah. Big Ten competition. The next step down from them was Michigan at 34.1, right? So you so 12 points difference yeah. per per game against Big Ten competition. If if the number is 34 and below, and you've got, I mean, look at this. <laughs> Penn State was ninth last season in scoring in the bit. Now, granted, it shouldn't have been because the offense uh didn't score all of these points. But at 22.8 points per game, uh, Penn State was ninth in scoring. So there yeah. were one, two, five teams worse than Penn State in in offensive production. I mean, yeah. 10.4 points per game for Indiana last season. So, yeah, you give yourself if, – if all of these teams hold, the, hold true, right, they stay the same, they don't get any better, they have the same type of production, then, yeah, you, you, maybe you're okay. But Penn State's number simultaneously – has got to improve. Yep. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself at a disadvantage against most of these teams. Yeah, and uh, and and the the one team I would say that I feel pretty confident about is Ohio State's going to match that number. If you see anything from Jackson Smith and Jigba last year, and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. seen anything from that guy on uh, social media lately, where he caught a ball he put in the jugs machine himself. I don't know if that was a trick, but I know that watching him run, I went, oh wow. So they are going to be as explosive as they were last year. Uh, I think this is our last question. Yes, here's our last question. Um, Travis Peters from Twitter asks, good sample size of the running game and its variations of this system. Uh, when they've had success, it's been with an explosive running back. Lee would have been great for a paternal offense, but is he the best running back on this team for this offense? Nate. I don't know. What do you think? I Yeah. I, I don't know if it I mean, I don't know if it's about the offense. I, I think it's about what is the offensive line giving you? Are they giving you huge holes? Right? Are they like are they are they paving a way or do you have to do something yourself? Do you yeah. have to do something differentiating to get into space to make a play to make somebody miss to run somebody over? Yeah. If the answer is that that you have to do something, you have to bring something extra to the table, then the answer last year was no. Right. Does that mean that he hasn't made the improvements that could open up that possibility? I mean, look at me. I'm always on the bright side, right? Right. <laughs> the optimistic side. You're going to say no, but I, yeah. yeah, it seems like there would be that opportunity if those other improvements are made in the offense uh, in terms of personnel. But if they're not, then yeah, you would. To me, the answer becomes more clear that you need you need a player at running back who can do something different, right? Like it, it's about those one on ones. Yep. When you get into those situations, are you winning them? Last year, the answer was no. With Kevon Lee, 
How many and of Noah them, Kane. How many of them can you win, too? Because this is, we just had a long conversation about tools at the quarterback position, arm strength, ability, uh, and there are certain throws Sean Clifford cannot make as routinely as guys with a stronger arm. He does not have a bad arm, but he does not have elite arm strength. Speed is arm strength. There are certain plays, Kevon Lee, I have seen, and I am now determining he cannot make. He cannot outrun a guy to the angle. He's going to have to find another way to beat that guy, whether he cuts back, whether he runs him over, whatever he does, jumps him, uh, maybe he uh, paints a fake tunnel, and then he wily coyotes them. I don't know. Like, whatever he has to do to get by that guy, it's not going to be with speed. So, to answer the question, I don't think Kevon Lee was ever meant to be the only guy carrying the football because that's not the way offense works anymore. He's there are, there are very few guys that are RB one with air quotes and there's nobody else on, on the depth chart. Even if you look at what he came in with, with Keziah Holmes, right? I've got this timeline, correct. He and Keziah Holmes were in the same class. They got a power back. You got a speed back. It makes sense. You've got guys that can do different things. You diversified your portfolio. So can he be an effective part of the offense? Yes. But he was, I don't think he was ever intended to do what has happened the last two years, which is he's the only guy carrying the football. And if you look at where Penn yep. State was successful at the end of 2020, because uh, I Holmes was getting carries. He was ripping off some runs. Will Levis keeps coming up in this show. He was their explosive play running back. So you had a diversity of skills in the backfield to help him out. Um, but to answer your question, no, he is not a guy that can solely carry the offense on his own because he does have some physical limiting factors that a lot of running backs have. You're going you're gonna to have very few guys that have the size, strength, speed, and abilities to be the lead guy that can win you all those explosive plays. So... We'll see if Nick Singleton, which everyone wants him to be the guy to do all of it and be the RB1 and simplify things for us. We'll see if that happens. Katron Allen. Katron Allen. Exactly. Uh, we got to get going. BWI Daily Edition coming up tomorrow. We're taking a look at recruiting. Big weekend and a big month for Penn State football. So stay tuned for that with uh, Ryan Snyder coming up tomorrow in our last edition on Friday of the BWI Daily. I'm your host, Thomas Rankart. That's Nate Bauer doing a great job. We'll talk to you next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.